I know some of you have already spoken to me this morning and a little disappointed that the elections didn't turn out exactly as you hoped. I'm glad Texas stayed strong. But um, I, I was going to report that, that there were eight conservative governors who were elected that um, all immediately put in uh, abortion print, uh, laws in place. So you may say, well, you know, it didn't go like I wanted, but there was progress made. There was some good things. Sometimes, you know, what does the Bible tell us? We've got to focus on the good things. Amen. And so you got to look at that. Um, but praise the Lord. I am glad that uh, I'm glad people voted. I'm sorry that people didn't vote. So anyway, glory to God. If you voted, way to go. Hope you voted right. Um, I'm just having some technical difficulties up here. But anyway, maybe it's good. Let's see. Okay, so I want to go into, because I believe this message is really a timely message about uh, influence and what's influencing you in life. Uh, I preached the message here a while back about uh, hearing God's voice. I pray that y'all have listened to that over and over and over again, because uh, that's one of those messages that um, you can't hear it enough, right? I mean, we need to hear the voice of God. Look at the person beside you and say, we need to hear the voice of God. That sounds kind of like y'all are just like, we need to hear. Come on, y'all get with me this morning. I can't make things work. I should have checked this out before, but glory to God. Peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. I don't know. I don't know. But I do and I do know is I'm going to preach this thing. So get your Bibles out. Whether I'm going to preach it off my heart or what's written down. Come on. What's the matter with you? Or with my glasses on. Because I can't see my phone. What's the deal with you? All right. Anyway, go to your Bible. Go to the book of Esther. Okay. So if you don't know where Esther is, go to the book of Psalms. Start turning backwards. You get past Job. And there's a little small book there called Esther. And go to the book of Esther. And I don't want to I don't want to read through the whole book because it's going to take uh, it's going to take too long to go through the whole thing. Uh, the book of Esther, if you've never read the book of Esther, you need to read it because it's really, truly amazing of what what uh, the whole story. If you read the whole story from the beginning to the end of what God was doing and what he did in the nation of Israel or for the nation of Israel at that moment. I'll just hold on one second. I'm trying one more time. One more. One more time. Please, please work. That's what you do when you don't know really how to work your equipment. You just ask it to please work. Okay, well, glory to God. Here we go. So it's a great story about the nation of Israel and what was going on. And, 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 and you'd have to just, you just have to read the whole thing. Okay, to get it all in there. But what I want to what I, I'm talking about influence, I'm talking about how right now there's things going in the world that want to influence you. And the biggest thing that's happening in this world is fear. 
Fear is just the, the, the enemy is pushing fear, fear about everything. We've been through so many veins of fear and just, you know, of all of God's doing. He's wanting you to operate and live your life in fear, fear of not even knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, fear of not knowing if your job is secure, fear of, uh, of you know, what's going to happen is, are we going into a recession? Is the stock market going to crash? Am I going to lose all of my, my funds? Is, you know, what's taking place? And then, you know, they, the enemy loves to just put out more stories and more feeding, you know, more and more and more. And, uh, and, and, and just to try to just throw everybody into fear. And so some people, you know, you get immune to certain types of fear, right? Like you may not even be worried about the stock market if you don't have any money in the stocks and you don't even know, understand how it works. So you're not thinking about that, right? That's not it. But if they start talking about the price of groceries, pipe of gas, how about this? Somebody mentioned this to me last week when we left. I thought, man, I should have remembered that one. Toilet paper. We went into craze over toilet paper. A nation hoarding toilet paper, fighting, people diving on top of each other to get out another roll of toilet paper. The great fear of the loss of toilet paper, right? And so, uh, you know, this is what the world right now is going on. So this, this influence, it wants to influence you. It wants to influence your decisions. So you're like, um, you know, let's don't go to town today. Let's don't go out. Let's don't. Do this. So you start drawing in and drawing in and drawing in and drawing in and drawing in. But then that takes you to the scripture uh, of Proverbs 18, where it says that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. So the more you draw in, the less you get in with your brothers and sisters. And so the less your information you're getting. So it's all a tactic. But we have to understand that these distractions that are coming on this, they're trying to influence you. And so you want to be influenced by God. Right. Everybody say, Jesus, you influence me. And so we've got this guy. Um, hey, glory to God, it worked. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate it, Lord. <laughs> now I don't need my glasses. See, in case y'all didn't know that, I figured that a long time ago. If you're using an iPad, you can take the font up to huge, and then that way I don't have to put my glasses on. I can see it. But if I do that with my phone, I get like, Three words. <laughs> so it takes a long time. But anyway, here we go. And so Esther chapter five is this this is this is the, the, the coming together of the story of of the man named Haman. And so Haman was a uh, in the it's, this is all taking place in in uh, the, the, the king's court. And Haman was one of the advisors into the king's court. And, uh, he, you know, he's he's trying to get promoted. He's wanting to, 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 to man be somebody. And so there's this Jew named Mordecai who is in the king's court also, but he's at the gate all the time and, and, but he's Jewish. And so this is what you need to understand this morning. So as a Jewish man, it is against his belief to bow to anyone other than God. Y'all with me? <clears throat> so Mordecai is at his gate, is at the king's gate, doing what he's on to, and Haman comes walking by, and he's wanting recognition. And Mordecai won't bow to him, because it's not his faith and his belief. So Haman doesn't even really know why Mordecai doesn't bow. He just wants him to bow, right? And he thinks Mordecai is being obstinate towards him, and he takes it personally, and he gets it inside of him until it becomes an influence on him and it's always speaking to him. Now listen to what happens. Look at what he says here. In chapter 5, Esther chapter 5, verse 9. 
So Haman's gone to the gate. Let me read it. So Haman went out that day joyful with a glad heart. And when Haman saw Mordecai the king at, in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and he went home and he sent and called for his friends and his wife, his friends and his wife. Then Haman told them of his great riches, of the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she has prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king. Now stop right there. So what Haman had done because he was mad at Mordecai, you know, he had sent out this edict to go out to all the land that all the Jews could just be plundered and killed. All right. And so this edict had gone out. But Haman, he's not thinking about it. He's not thinking about what's going on in his life and what's happening. And the queen found out about it. And the queen, Esther's Jewish. And so she went before the king, right? And, and you remember the story? And she he had to let down the golden scepter. And then he did. And she went up there and he, she said, what do you want? And he said, I just want you to come to a banquet. Well, Haman's been invited to the banquet. But he don't know what's about to happen. Right? All he knows is he's mad at Mordecai. He goes and he calls his friends. He calls his wife. He tells all of them, come on in. I want to tell you what great things. Look at what I've got all these riches. I've got all these children. I've got all this blessing around me. Yet all this avails me nothing. So long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. This is a danger I'm talking about influence. You can become influence and influence and influence who you don't even see the blessings around you. You don't even see what God's doing around you. Here's old Haman. He is so eat up with hating Mordecai that he tells them, look at all this I've got. Look at all this I've got. Look at all this I've got. But none of it avails. It avails me nothing. I just want to see that guy die. Wow. That's what influence at its height can do to you. Lead you down a path that you're so trapped and, and, and deceived and everything that's going on, you don't even see the blessings of God right in front of you. Okay? So if you go down to chapter 7, we see the end result of what happened. Haman goes into the banquet. He thinks it's all going to be about him. He goes in there. He's forgetting and not noticing the pride that's in his own life that's causing him to become blinded and influenced by this devil. Let me tell you what, folks, the devil, the one thing about him, he's been around forever, but he doesn't change his tactics. And what he did to Haman, he'd do to anybody else. It's not it's it, not, not because he was a high official. It's just one of the tricks he has in his book to find a person to get in anger, unforgiveness and judgment. Get in that so that then they can take that person, get him over to the side and literally get rid of him. All right. It's the way it works. I'm not like making up a story here. I'm just reading the word and just showed you this is how it works. Y'all looking at me like I'm making something up. I ain't making nothing up. I'm preaching the word. So, oh, here it is in chapter seven then. So then he's, he's there and then the queen, man, chapter seven is all about that. They're at the banquet and here's old Haman, me feeling good. Oh, I'm at the queen's banquet. Nobody else in here but me. Me and the king and the queen. Woo, I'm somebody. And the queen says, there's, 
all my people are going to die. Am I going to die with them? And the king's like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. And she just says, him, he's done it. <laughs> and Haman just like, Ooh. Verse 8 says, so when the king returned, so the king got so mad, he went out into the garden. And so he walks back into the room. When the king returned to the, uh, from the palace garden to the place of the banquet with the wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And the king said, will he also uh, assault the queen while I'm in the house? So, I mean, he, Haman's falling down begging Queen Esther to help him. But when the king comes in, he's like, what are you doing? I love this part. He said, let me read back up. It says, and the king said, also, will he assault the queen while I'm, at the, while I'm in the house? And as the word, listen to this, as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Wow. I mean, he realized at that moment he had been duped. Because, see, he realized that what this little insignificant incident over here of Mordecai not bowing to him had driven him to the point that he was going to lose everything. Is it really quiet in here because this message is really like getting in or, or y'all already know this and you're just patting your foot saying I'm hungry and let's just go. Come on, preacher. You know, sometimes that you know, like this, you say like, don't move. If I, as long as I don't move, nobody, nobody will recognize me. It fell on his face. The words fell on his face. He's like, oh. Now, the eunuch that was there said to the king, look, the gallows, <laughs> 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke to the king on his behalf, standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So what he intended to happen to Mordecai happened to him because of the influence of the devil, tricking him, getting him over into Anger, unforgiveness, right, and judgment got him over in there, and he ended up hanging because of that. That's what I'm trying to say to you today. I believe what's going on in the world today is that the enemy's trying to get us all revved up and all torqued up, getting our minds and our eyes on things that we really shouldn't be even messing with, getting our hearts in unforgiveness, getting our hearts in, in anger, standing here... Getting all boiled up when God says, look, I want you to do this. And if we do that, we'll see victory and success. Psalms 145, 11, I gave you last week. But this is how we're supposed to operate. They shall speak of the glory of the kingdom and talk of his power. I want to tell you something about the glory of the kingdom. God is good. Can I have a good amen? I want to tell you something. God has blessed me in life. Not that I'm wealthy, but I'm telling you what, God has bailed me out a million times. God has saved me. God has delivered me. God has blessed me with my family, blessed me with a blessed family, a good family. I've been blessed. Everywhere I turn, I'm blessed. You say, oh, Robert, you don't ever have any problems. Oh, I got tons of problems. I got tons of issues. I got tons of attacks. I got tons of things and tons of the times the enemy wants to tell me. But you know what? I just keep walking. God always delivers me. Is it fun? No. Is it learning? Yes. Am I am I am I larger in my spirit? Well, and my body now than I was when I started. Yes, because you unless you walk through a trial and you overcome in that trial, you're not going to be able to say you're more than a conqueror. Because you didn't conquer anything. How can you be more than a conqueror if you've never conquered anything? 
And I'm just telling you, when you get to a place where God, you know, he's with you and God's going to take you through it and God's going to bless you, then you can talk of his power. And I can tell you, man, folks, listen to me. There was a day and time that I was so broke that um, the major issue that happened in my life is my septic stopped up. I was in a rent house, a bad rent house, one that the wind blew through like and I was in a bad rent house and the septic stopped up. And I I couldn't call a plumber because I couldn't pay a plumber. I didn't have any money and I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what to do. And who wants to mess with the septic anyway? And I prayed and I said, God, you got to help me. I don't know what to do. I mean, we can't just go to the bathroom out in the yard. We're in town. You got to help me, Lord. And a man called and said, do you need some help? I, 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 I'm a plumber. And I said, sweet baby Jesus, I do. Come over here to the house. I don't know what to do. And he fixed it for nothing. You say, oh, what a small miracle, you, you know. It was huge to me. I didn't have any finances to pay anybody. I was in a, I didn't know what to do. And God blessed me. I've seen God talk of his power. So many things he had blessed out. But you don't. Receive the blessings of God when you get distracted and influenced from another source coming into your life. Because what God did for me, he will do for everybody. He'll do in anything in your life. But you can't he he can't move in your life if you're distracted looking at something else. And that's what the world's trying to do right now. It's trying to swirl around and swirl around and swirl around and get us distracted. Folks, we're to be saving souls. We're to be telling people about Jesus. We're to be talking of of the glory of the kingdom and of his power. That's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. So I'm going to give you six things. I'm going to finish today. Maybe. Six things that if you would, these principles, if you'd get them into your life, you won't be influenced demonically and distracted. Does that sound good? So if I was you, I'd write them down. Or or you can always go back and re-listen to the message. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. I want you to go there first. Mark 10, 46. The very first thing is you must choose not to be distracted. You've got to have a heart that you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, today I do not want to be distracted. I want to just follow your plan. Now, that's hard sometimes because a lot of times, you know, the, the enemy's yakking at you. The, 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 if you turn the radio on, the, the psalm that played is yakking at you. You go to the coffee shop and somebody down there is yakking at you, you know, and you got to really, but you have to determine in your heart, Lord, I don't want to be distracted. I just want to follow you. All right. Here we go. Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting in the road begging. Now, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, had, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Folks, listen to me. There are going to be people telling you to be quiet forever. If you're trying to serve Jesus, there are going to be people telling you to be quiet. They're going to be people trying to tell you, you know, you know, you're too radical. You don't need to do that. I mean, you know, you're going to get too heavenly minded. You're of no earthly good. I have never seen that happen. Hello? Usually it's the other way around. Okay. But my point is here, when blind Bartimaeus is sitting and he hears that Jesus is going by and everybody's telling him to be quiet, what does he do? Just say, well, okay, I guess I'm just blind Bartimaeus. I'm just going to go sit down over here, keep begging because I'm not, you know, I can't go to the master. I'm, you know, people are, I'm making people uneasy with me crying out. I didn't what he did. He cried out. It says all the more. He's screaming, Jesus, Jesus. 
And here he is, you know, how do you, I, I mean, I don't want to, I'm by no means trying to say anything about anybody that's blind, but I'm just saying, if you're blind and there's a crowd of people, what could he be doing except just running into the crowd? Just Jesus, Jesus. I mean, he doesn't know where Jesus is, right? And he's just flailing around and everybody's like, good gosh, this is, this is supposed to be a dignified meeting. We're supposed to be dignified around here. You're just out there. You're just out here just causing problems, flailing around. Knock, could have knocked somebody over. I don't know. But he finally gets to Jesus, grabs hold of Jesus. And what happens? Gets healed. So what I'm saying to you, if you let the distractions of life, you don't determine right off the bat. Every day that you do not want to be distracted, you don't make that a part of your prayer life and say, Lord, today I do not want to be distracted. I do not want to get caught up in other things. I want to follow your plan today. You don't put determine that in your heart. Then you're going to get distracted. OK, so that's point number one of the principles you got to live by. So let's look at number two. Matthew six twenty two. These are simple principles, but they're all in the word. All right. And I know that if you just apply them to your life, you'll see victory. So Matthew six twenty two. it says the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body would be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body would be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness. Oh, how great is that darkness? OK, if you don't. The, the, the point number two is point number one is you do not want to be distracted. Point number two is you need to be praying, Lord, keep me focused focused because you know there's a lot of things that can pull you left and right and you can get focused over here and focus on how many of you have ever I'm bad about this you know like well I have noticed that as I get older uh, my wife will say something like hey when you go up to the shop bring back a hammer and I say oh, okay and then I get up to the shop and I get to doing stuff and then I get home she said you bring the hammer and I said what hammer and she's a hammer I ask you. So I've gotten more in life that when the thought runs through my head, I go pick up the hammer, walk out and put it in the truck. Right. But then I find myself like I'm trying to do this. And then I did that. And then by putting the hammer in the truck, it made me think about this. And then I go over here and I do this. And then so I did that. and I said, OK, I got that right. And then the hammer's over there. And then, oh, yeah, I was going to go do this. And I start over there and say, oh, well, I got to stop over here and do this and Y'all ever had a day like that, <laughs> that you just kind of wander around and then you have to stop at the end of the day and say, what was I supposed to be doing today? Hello? That what I'm talking about is asking God to give you focus so that you know that you're praying about the right things. So you can get distracted. You heard something. Oh, I need to be praying about that. Spend all your time praying about that when you really should have been praying about this. Right? Now, see, this is called having a relationship with the spirit of God that he, he directs you and talks to you and, and leads you and guides you. That's what we're all supposed to have. But folks, we're supposed to stay focused. Now, Matthew 6, 22, it says, if you keep your eye right, you're going to stay focused. So it goes along with Proverbs 16, 1, that the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer to the lip is from the Lord. So if you keep your heart right, well, then saying, Lord, I want to stay focused today. I want to do what you want me to do. And then you move off in that direction. He will. OK, he will look at Philippians four, eight, nine. Paul tells us what we should be focused on. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, 
whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. How many of you have ever been messing with your phone, whatever you're using, whatever platform you're using, and you watch a video and then they give you another video that you could watch is similar to that one. And then you watch that video. And the next thing you know, you only was going to watch one, but you've watched six. Right. Well, that's okay if that's the focus that you're supposed to be going in. And after six videos, you learn what you need to learn. But if it was just a distraction, hello, then you're off. You're over here messing around. So what, what do you set yourself? Well, whatever things are just, pure, noble, these are the things we're to be thinking of. You cannot watch the news and come out thinking pure and noble and of good report. Because you're going to get angry about something. And it's going to whisper. Can you believe they did that? Can you believe it takes them that long to count the votes? And then you sing out that. And then you're like, well, you know this. And then you're down over here. And then next thing you know, you're down that rabbit hole over here. Again, you're not saying focused. So you got to see this. Things that are not true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, virtuous, then quit thinking about them. Right. Jesus said, and I wish this was literal. He says, what man can add one cubit to his stature by worrying? And I just think it would be funny that we'd see how giant of people we were. If you're a worrier and you were getting one cubit added to your stature every time you worried. And the next thing you know, you just come in and there's these giant people and they just come in all in shame. Say, I'm a worrier. I don't know what to do. Can you pray for me to be back smaller? All right. Okay, the third one. Now, this sounds funny, but you got to have the scripture with it. Okay, so you need to be praying that you're aware of the influence. Okay, because see, if you don't recognize and be aware of it, that what's happening to you. And I've done this. I've been in, I've been going along and realized that there's some little something going off in my head, some little naggy something, some little naggy word, some little something going on in my head. And I don't address it until after I finally became aware of it. Well, if you pray right off the bat to be aware, then what you can do is you can say, shut up. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You're an influencer just trying to influence me and take me over down to the pit. Ephesians 6.10 is the scripture for it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's what I'm talking about, the wiles of the devil. Those little influences that come into you and start speaking in your head and trying to get you off and down that dark, dark rabbit hole. Right? Those are called the wiles of the devil. Now, the Apostle Paul wouldn't have wrote this to the church at Ephesus if it wasn't something that they were dealing with 2,000 years ago. Like I said, the devil didn't change his tactics. He's just been around a long time and able to perfect them. And he knows your number. He knows what's going to get you. Golly, it's quiet in here. Come on, church. I'm really preaching good news because I'm, I'm exposing it. Don't be sitting there feeling guilty. He's like, oh, I just always listen to the devil. Don't do that. I'm teaching you this morning and, and, and sharing a word with you of revelation that you can lie, you can you can put these six things down and then you can just attack your day and come out there and say, well, this is what's going to be. I'm not going to be influenced today. Bless God. I'm walking and I'm being focused. I'm going to stay right on track. I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. Lord, this is where I'm headed today. 
That's what I'm trying to do. So you should have a smile on your face. You should be saying, yes, good information. Way to go, preacher. Okay? That's what, I'm, that's what, I, that's what, that's what should be taking place here. I don't want you to feel anything else. Listen. Oh, man, that is good. Because if you are sitting there thinking that, right now you're being influenced. Because if guilt or shame is in you, you say, yeah, I shouldn't have thought that. I spent too much time doing that. That's the devil influencing you right now. So you're sitting in church. You ever notice, this is another message, but you ever notice how many times Jesus was in church preaching and demons jumped up and manifest? All I'm saying is, you know, the Bible says as soon as the word's out, he's immediately trying to steal it. So there's no reason why you couldn't right now be influenced. I'm going to tell you something. But right now, if you're thinking of hot buttered rolls and you say, well, I wouldn't until you said that. <laughs> now I am thinking of hot buttered rolls with butter running down the sops of them. Thanks, preacher. But see, he tries to get to your distractions. You're hungry. You didn't eat enough breakfast this morning, so you're hungry. Your stomach growls. And you're like, ah, we just preacher and shut up. I'm hungry. Hot buttered rolls, what I want. <laughs> That's an influence, whether you realize it or not. Right? Because he's trying to get you distracted. Church people are the most distracted people in the world. Because what he wants you to do is hear this message and walk out that door and forget it. Because I just told you his tactics. So he doesn't want you to learn this. He doesn't want you to hold on to this. He wants you to say, oh, I thought the preacher was a little over the top today. Right? That's what happens. That's what happens. That's his wiles. That's his influence. He's always the guy. He's always the guy that does it and then gets you blamed for it. Right? He's always that friend that broke the, the, the vase and then when the mom said, who did this? He said, oh, he did. And he said, I didn't do it. He said, don't be lying. That's what he wants to do. That's his, that's his motive. He just wants to get you off track so you're not serving God. You're not getting a revelation from heaven. Jesus is not blessing you because you're not walking in his presence. You're not walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. You're groping through darkness. You're, you're, you're letting the wiles of the enemy come into you. And that's what you're thinking all day long instead of being focused that you should have gone over to Ethel's house and talked to her because she was going to needed a prayer. Whoever Ethel is. And if you have a neighbor named Ethel, I'd say that was a word because I don't usually say <laughs> Ethel. Go check on Ethel. You're following me, church. You're distracted with everything. You're mad when you went into the grocery store. And so you were supposed to roll your cart down and see this lady that you were supposed to pray for. But you didn't because you're still mad at your husband for what he did. And the enemy's just in your head. And you're going back and rehearsing 10 years of offense in your life. And you're just going through this thing. And so when you get to the lady, oh, Ethel, who needed prayer. She kind of backed her cart even into your way. And you said, stupid lady, get your cart out of the way. It's what you thought. You didn't say it. You said, ah, as you push your cart through there. But you were really thinking, stupid lady, get your cart out of my way. I'm mad at my husband. Now, is this getting real? Is this getting home here? You see, this is what he wants to do to us all the time. And we miss it. I've told you all this story uh, years ago when when I, I don't know why this happened at this period of time, but I'd been at a church service and I'd preached out of, out of town and I went to go get 
gas and and it was after 10 o'clock and the some reason they wouldn't just you couldn't just put your credit card in there it was after 10 and so you had to go in and give them the credit card and I, I was angry about this I was angry that I had to be inconvenienced by a few minutes and walk a few feet to walk into the store and give them my credit card but I was tired I wanted to go home just got through preaching a great meeting and I walked into the store gave the lady my card as I went out there my whole head began to yak I began to think when I go in there I'm going to tell them how stupid this is who's going to steal gas just because it's 10 o'clock why do you do this I had to do this this is the dumbest thing who is the owner of this place I want to get hold of him and tell him how stupid they all are this is how I'd work myself up to walked inside the store got to the counter ready to unleash and the girl had a tear in her eye and she says are you pastor Robert and I'm thinking, what revelation did she have to know that I'm Pastor Robert? And I said, yes, I am. How'd you know your credit card's got your name on it? Very observant. She said, can you pray for me? I listen to your broadcast all the time, and I really am going through a hard time. I need some help. And I was like, oh, Jesus. I just almost blew it, man, because I almost came right through the door hollering and screaming, never thinking that she was looking at my name. Oh, maybe I needed to carry my credit card in there so she could read my name. You see what I'm saying? But I was mad about it because why? I got distracted because I got inconvenienced. Man, I prayed for that lady, the strongest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. Got my credit card paid and went out there and just repented all the way home. Oh, Jesus, I can't believe I did that. Oh, my God. I let the wicked wiles of the devil come in and try to influence me and almost missed a blessing in there because I had to walk in the store. Wow, what a punk I am for being inconvenienced. I had to make a few steps and do this. Right. So those wicked wiles are always happening. But if you get yourself prepared for it and you know what's going on, then you catch it. Amen. The fourth one, I don't think I told you the fourth one yet, but if I do, I'm telling you again, Ephesians 6, 10, again, same scripture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Listen, you're not going to stand strong if you don't have the word in you. Go to 1 John 2, 14. 1 John 2, 14. And I got to hurry. First John 2, 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you have you know him who is from the beginning. And I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Listen to me. This fourth point, you have to stay strong, but you have to stay strong in the word. You're not going to get strength. Listen to me from from. Any other source but then the living word of God coming into your life. And you're only as strong as the amount of words you have in you. Not words like, like, uh, you know, some little simple something, but words that you have of the word of God in you that are yours. You're only as strong as the amount of words you have in you. And the Bible says you're going to get attacked by the wiles of the devil. And if you don't have something to fight him with, then folks, listen to me, you're, you're weak. But for the amount of words you have in you, you can overcome and be strong, just like he said here in 1 John, that you'll be strong and able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen? Okay. Now, number five. Proverbs 4.23. The fifth thing is, is you have to keep your heart. 
What do I mean by that? Well, it says in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring forth the issues of life. Look at 1 John 5.18. 1 John 5.18 says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. Everybody say keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. I don't know about you, but I like that. I don't want the wicked one touching me. I want to keep myself, but I got to keep my heart. I'll tell you this, you know, you just have to take it for what it is. You have to believe me or not. But my wife was there. So. So anyway, uh, years and years and years ago, before I was even the pastor of this church, I was working here at the church and uh, my job was was to keep the grounds clean and to be the youth pastor and to do construction. And I didn't like mowing the grass. I've never liked mowing the grass. I hate grass. I think we should just get like herds of sheep and let them eat it all down. You know, I don't like grass and I hate mowing grass. And I believe that lawnmowers are demon possessed at the factory. And the demon that is in them is one that just won't start after just a little period of time. And if you've ever pulled on a lawnmower, you know, you just pull a ronk, ronk, and that thing won't start. I mean, man, you know it. You know the demons are present and they start to manifest in your life. Right. And so at the time that the church here right there, we didn't have a lot of money. And so my 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 blessing of a father in law would always go down and he would always check uh, the the, uh, the 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 surplus store here in town which is the dump, and see who dropped off a lawnmower that wasn't working, that they hated it. The devil had manifest in them. They threw it away. <laughs> he would get it, try to cast the devil out of it, and bring it over here to me for me to mow all these grounds. And so I had a fleet of demon-possessed <laughs> lawnmowers in the back. I had push mowers, ride lawnmowers, big ones, little ones, and they were all demon possessed. OK. And so one day right over here in the corner of the building, I hate to even tell this on myself, but I was so angry at this demon possessed lawnmower that I had it up over the top of my head and I was going to throw it on a rock out here and bust it when the pastor walked around the church. You talk about get caught with your britches down, man. I've got it up over my head. Face is red. I am so mad. He walks on. This is Robert. Are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not okay at all. I'm, you know. And so he said, well, here, come in here. Let's sit and have a talk. And so we talked and I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to bust that lawnmower. So he said, I think you need to take some time off. <clears throat> so he said, I want to pray for you to go three days. Why don't you go down to Corpus and I'll, and I'll, and I'll hear some money and, and get a hotel room. And, and so anyway, uh, there's a lot of events that also happened there, just getting there and whatever thing else. But anyway, I got into the hotel room that night, uh, not where I expected to be in a different location, a different place. I was still angry and I was laying there in bed. And that night, Jesus walked in the room. I didn't see him physically, but about two or three o'clock in the morning, I woke up and the presence of God was so strong in the room and the Lord began to speak to me and he wrote down 
And got, I got, a, I got the, the hotel tablet there. I started writing all the things that he was telling me about my life and what I needed to do and basically how I need to calm down and get right. And he had some things lined out here for me. And, this is what I, and one of the things he spoke to me, he said, your greatest influence in life is going to be in heart adjustments and helping people get their hearts adjusted. And he called it a heart adjustment, or that's how I wrote it down, as a heart adjustment. And this scripture became alive to me right then that all issues come and spring from the heart. And if your heart's not right, there's an issue in your heart, then everything that comes out of your heart's going to be slighted just a little bit. And the more that's in there, the more it gets off. And so then Jesus says here in Matthew 12, 34, he said, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. And so that the, when the heart gets off, then it affects the mouth. And then there's the mouth is going to be the true litmus test of what's in the heart, because that's what's going to be coming out of your mouth. It's what's inside of your heart. It says a good man out of the good treasure's heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure's heart brings forth evil things. Look at Matthew 15, 16. Here Jesus said, you're also still without understanding. Do not yet understand that whatever enters a man's mouth and goes into his stomach is eliminated. But those things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. They defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, theft, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, it doesn't defile a man. It's what's inside the heart. Folks, listen to me. You have to learn to keep your heart. You have to learn to be able to take your heart out, bring it out, look at it. And say, is there anything, Lord, wrong with my heart? You have to go to the Holy Ghost surgical table, take the heart out, look at it and say, Lord, is there anything wrong in my heart? And if you can learn to do that, then you can know for sure that you're keeping your heart. There's no issues inside there. You're keeping your heart. And as you're doing that and you're keeping your heart, well, then you can know that then everything is going to start to come out of you is going to be going in the right direction, and you've overcome the wiles of the devil. But some people don't want to take anything out of their heart because if you take your heart out, lay it on the operating table, that means that black spot's got to get removed, and you kind of like that black spot because you still want justification or whatever. How many of y'all like to go to the hospital and do sur and have surgery? Besides a few doctors in here, you may not. And we question y'all. I went to the hospital one time with Dr. Brown. We're walking around. They're going to go in there and visit somebody. And he's got this big old smile on his face, and he's just tipping around there. And he's like, and I'm like, what's the matter with you? And he said, oh, I just, I just like being back in the hospital. It just feels good. And I'm like, you're sick. <laughs> I said, I hate this. Just going into this hospital makes me sick. I don't want to go into this place. There's something wrong with you. But nobody wants to go have surgery done. If you have to have surgery, you don't say, oh, great. I'm going. I'm glad I'm going in. They're going to do open heart surgery. So it's the same way in the spirit. You don't really want to go lay down on the table and let the Holy Ghost open up your heart and take your heart out and look at it. Right. Because, you know, then that you're going to have to forgive. You're going to, have to walk in love. You're going to have to do whatever. And you may not want to do that. So therefore, you just say, I can keep living like this. And you're over there. Yeah, I can do it. I can make it. I know I will. I'm going. And the Lord says, I can heal that up. You quit listening to the wiles of the devil, but you're going to have to let me do surgery. Let me give you the last thing, and then I want to, I want to, I want to do something different. Sixth thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 
It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Scripture to go along with this Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil. So just that mere statement, do not be overcome by evil, means that you have a choice. Do you see that? That means if you're overcome by evil, you let it happen. But overcome evil with good. The last thing, sixth thing he says here is you have to choose to want to do good. You have to choose to want to be a blessing. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Now I want to do something right now. I want you just to put your Bibles up. And I want you just to just close your eyes. Bow your heads. You don't have to bow your heads. You can if you want to. I just said that. I mean, just put yourself right now and close your eyes and listen to Jesus. How about that? Put yourself in a place where you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And just ask him right now about the state of your heart. Ask him if he needs to do surgery on you. And if he says yes, then make an appointment right now. Now I'm going to pray. Father, I pray right now for every person in here. I know, Lord, that to keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it springs forth all the issues of life. And I pray for everybody in here, everybody watching, all, everybody in this room right now, everybody hearing my voice. That, Lord God, the, the surgery that needs to be done within hearts, those heart adjustments that need to take place, I pray for the people right now. Lord, that they would set an appointment with you. And that you could perform the surgery in their hearts and remove the pain, the brokenness, the lies, the lies that the enemy sowed into them. That, Lord, that they would be free because their hearts would be healed. I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, that the wicked wiles of the enemy that he's just raked them over the coals with, that they would be stopped today in Jesus' name. Because, Lord, they understand the deception and the influence that the enemy is trying to have over their life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you would do such a miracle in their midst. Such a miracle in their midst as their hearts are mended and healed. And so, Lord, bless them. Bless them today with a revelation like they've never had before. Bless them today, O oh Lord God, with a revelation that so totally puts them on a right path with you. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now look at the person beside you and said, did you make an appointment? Amen. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Everyone out there watching, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm just telling you. These are days that you do not need to put off your relationship with the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible is really simple. It says that if you would confess with your mouth and you'd believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on a cross for your sins and that he arose on the third day, and you'd repent and ask him to come into your life, he will. He'll touch you right wherever you are. Driving down the road, at your house, wherever you may be, he will touch you and bless you.
If you're in here today, matter of fact, the people that are on the prayer team today, can y'all come on down? And, and if, if, if you're in here today and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, you're not sure today if you died, you'd go to heaven. You don't know for sure. Well, do not walk out the doors of this building. I'm telling you, church, do not walk out the doors. These people are up here to pray with you. To ask to, to, to help you to, to, to make this, this 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 decision for Jesus. What is the greatest gift you could ever have in life? Amen. And so make sure you know that you're right with God. We also, the prayer team up here will pray for you about anything. Maybe you're today, this message touched you in some area and, and you want just some agreement in prayer. You have a friend you want to pray for. That's why they're here. Take time. Don't get in a hurry. That, that old buttered roll will still be there when you get there. Y'all can tell what I'm thinking about. But anyway, anyway, that's why they're here. Amen. So I want to pray for you and bless you. Now, listen to me. Be aware. You go out there this week. Watch it, especially if you run across somebody named Ethel. All right. And you, you, you be aware of what's going on around you. Don't listen to the wiles of the devil. Don't get distracted. And man, lead somebody to the Lord. Amen. So, Father, I pray just bless them. Give us divine appointments as we go out this week. Lord, I thank you for blessing their week, blessing their hands, blessing everything that they do. And as they go out into the world, Lord God, I just declare that we're going to win souls for you. We're going to tell people of your goodness, of your greatness, Lord, of your power in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.